Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. Amen. But we're going to talk about two verses today and we're going to talk about the two verses about, about the heart. That's exactly what we're going to talk about today in Romans chapter 10. And we're going to look at verses 9 and 10. Remember in the book of Romans, we've been talking about the fact that, that it's about the righteousness that comes from God. There's a righteousness that comes from God. That nobody's righteous, no, not one, is what the Bible says. But unless we trust Christ, we're never going to be righteous. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father but by me. So the first three chapters really talk about condemnation, that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And in chapters 4, he begins to tell us how to be saved, and, and he begins to talk about salvation and then sanctification, which is being made more and more like Jesus Christ. So chapter 4, he talks about being saved and Tells us Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for faith. And David was saved that way. And chapter 5 talks about since we did nothing to gain it, we can do nothing to lose it. And all the benefits that we have because of that and how great the gift is that Adam that, that Jesus gave and how terrible the, the thing was that Adam gave us, right? He says, but what Jesus gave us is so much more greater and then chapter 6 begins to talk about living for Christ and reckon yourselves dead to sin chapter 7 Paul talks about that problem and says hey you know the things I want to do I don't do but the things I don't want to do I do those right who shall deliver me from this body of death and then he tells us in chapter 8 about the power of the Holy Spirit he's only mentioned the Holy Spirit once in the whole book of Romans in seven chapters and then he mentions him about 20 times in chapter 8. And he talks about, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who live according to the Spirit and walk not in the flesh. And so as we've looked at those sections, and then we get to chapter 9, he says, basically he says at the end of chapter 8, that, that nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Chapter 9, it was a tough chapter, but it talked about God picking Israel, choosing them all the way down to the to uh, choosing between Egypt and Israel. And he started out with two children, and he went to two more children, and then he chose between Moses and Pharaoh. And then he goes on down, and he says in, at the end of chapter 9, but guess what? It begins to talk about the reason that they didn't get the benefits of them being chosen because they didn't choose God. They rejected God, right? And that's kind of where we're at right now in chapter 10 about Israel rejecting God as chapter 9, chapter 10. And he says here, he begins to talk about how they need the gospel, and so we were talking about that, and Paul starts out chapter 10 again. He says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. And he says, I bear them witness they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. In other words, they were trying to save themselves, right? 
And he says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of righteousness to everyone who believes. Christ not only fulfilled the law, but he put to an end that law of righteousness, which nobody could ever attain anyway. But what he would said is if you could keep the whole law, guess what? You could be saved, but nobody can do it, right? Because we've all broken the law at least one time. And then he begins to talk about a verse in Leviticus that says the man who does those things, he's talking about the righteousness. Moses writes about the righteousness, which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. In other words, if you say you're going to get to heaven by the law, you need to keep the law perfectly, right? And he says, begins to talk about but the righteousness of faith speaks this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down from above or who will descend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the dead. In other words, don't think that salvation is unattainable because you can't go down into hell and, or into the earth and get Jesus and bring him up. Because he's already died and been buried and resurrected, you can't go up to heaven and bring him down because he's already came down to earth, right? The Bible says in John 1, 14, and we beheld the glory of the only begotten of the Father. He, he dwelt in human flesh. He said the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. And so what does he say? He says salvation is near you. And you don't have to go try to do something impossible. And that's what these verses really speak about as the Jews said when you went up to heaven or you went down into the grave that you were doing something impossible and so that's what he's saying there you don't have to do anything impossible to be saved but what what do you need to do and that's where we're at today and so in verse 9 and 10 we're going to talk about receiving righteousness by faith involves confessing Jesus as Lord and believing in his resurrection so let's read verses 9 and 10, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. He says, That is, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes in the righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's all we're going to cover today. So basically, the first thing we need to look at is what does he do here? He kind of reverses the order here of the actual verse that he's using in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 14 and he says what does he say here he says that confession is with the heart one believe excuse me confession if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead but the true order is given in verse 10 because here's how it really happens you hear the truth, and it says in verse 10, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And these are not two steps, but really they're synonymous. Confessing Jesus Christ as God and all that he is is the same thing as believing in your heart. And when we talk about the heart, we're not talking about the ticker, right? We're talking about the innermost being it involves the mind the will and the emotions and we'll talk more about that but really the mind you know you understand the truth right and unless you understand something here 
you can't believe it, right? I mean, you're just going to follow somebody who says, yeah, I believe you. I don't know what you're talking about, but I believe you. No, well, you got to understand the truth that Jesus is God, and he came down to heaven, and he lived a perfect, sinless life, and he died on the cross for our sins. He was buried, and he rose again the third day. That's, that's what we understand, is that's what he's saying here. He says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So mentally you believe that, right? Emotionally, the Bible says, you know, a lot of times when people were teaching the Bible in the book of Acts, the men that said they were cut to the heart. They were, they, 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 they were sorry for their sins and they, they would repent. He says, what must I do to be saved? And they would say, repent. In other words, turn from your wicked ways and turn to God. And, you know, there's a sense of emotional brokenness over your sin. And the realization that on your own you, you can't get to heaven and that on your own you can't change the way you live, right? And then finally there's this part where we, we voluntarily, it involves the will. And the will says, yes, Lord, I want to be forgiven. Yes, Lord, I want to be saved. Yes, Lord, forgive me and save me. And I believe everything that Jesus said about himself is true. And at that point, we cry out and say, Lord Jesus, save me. I'm a sinner. And we take him at his word. That's what we call faith, right? And at that point, the Bible says we become a saved person. We, we are saved. That's kind of really what happens. Think about this, that a lot of people, they don't understand this. And they might understand up here but they've never been broken in here. You know, Jesus always talked about the Pharisees. He says, you wicked men, you are always unrepentant and you're stubborn and stiff-necked and you always resist the will of God, right? And some people don't want to be saved. And the reason they don't want to be saved usually is because they've got some kind of sin in their life that they don't want to turn loose of. Who knows what it might be, but they don't want to turn it loose. And so when he gets to this verse here, verse 9, he says that if you confess with your mouth, and that word confess means to say the same thing. In other words, God says, I'm a sinner, and what I do, I say, yes, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need to be forgiven. I want to go to heaven because of you, you know. That's what it says in Romans, not Romans, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. He says, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to keep on cleansing us from unrighteousness. And that, that verse is not a salvation verse, but what it is is it's a forgiveness verse, right? It's like, you know, I used to use the illustration about my dad when he was alive and say, well, if I walked up to him and I popped him upside the head, he, he'd be mad with me, right? But he's still my dad because nothing can ever change that, right? Well, you know, every time we sin, it's kind of like we do pop God upside the head because it, we're, we're mistreating God because he, he loves us and he's our heavenly father. And so every time we sin, we're basically spitting in his face or, or popping him upside the head. And what we have to do is go back and say, God, you know, I did this. Now, please forgive me. And we named the sin, I lied, I stole, I was mad, I was bitter, I was angry. Please forgive me. And then guess what? Our relationship is restored, right? 
You know, that's what you have to do. Like, Dad, sorry, I popped you upside the head. That was terrible of me. I didn't mean, I shouldn't have done it. I, I, please forgive me. Now, you know, it might take him a while to get over it, but God says immediately he forgives you, right? And so that's, that's what we're talking about here, confess to say the same thing. But the bottom line is, folks, is confession is something that we need to do. And he, once we do that, we're in a right relationship with him. But this confession is basically saying, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved and I can't change myself, so forgive me. It's not like, it's not like putting a label on a poison bottle and saying, you know, this is something good, right? This is something good for you. But that's a lot of times what we do. We come to God and we confess and we say, well, God, if I did this or if I sin, please forgive me. But he says, you know, say, if I, not if I lie, but Lord, I lied, now please forgive me. So here's the bottom line that both of these verses really say the same thing, confessing that Jesus is Lord and is really tantamount to saying that he's basically God in human flesh, right? Anyway, that's what the obedient Christians in the early church did, that they would confess verbally and say, Jesus is Lord, but then they would also go into the water and be baptized as a picture of the belief of the, you know, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Y'all realize that's what that is, right? When we say, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you have been buried with Christ in baptism, and you've been raised to walk in newness of life. We talked about that in chapter 6, that basically baptism is a picture of Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. And in a sense, since we have trusted Christ, we have died to our old way of life, and now we're a new creation. We have died, we have been buried, we've been raised to walk in newness of life. And that's what baptism is a picture of. It's not a salvation deal. In other words, baptism doesn't do anything to get you any closer to heaven. As a lot of people have said, you know, over the years, but salvation is by faith through grace, by grace through faith is the gift of God, not a works lest anyone should boast. And so in the early church, what would happen was the, basically the people who were, there, when they confessed Jesus as Lord, they were saying he was God, right? He's Yahweh, the self-existent one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? But think about this. What happened was when Rome took over the whole world, you know what they would do? They would come in and every year, once a year, every person in the Roman Empire was required to say, Caesar is Lord. And the Christians would say, no, Jesus, Jesus, Christos is Lord. They would say, Jesus is Lord. And then they would get killed over that because, you know, Caesar said he was God. He was Lord. He was all of that. And so that's what really we're talking about. We're talking about something serious. And we haven't come to that place here in the United States that things keep going the way they're going. That's the way it's going to end up. But listen. We need to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, that he's God, that he's divine, that he's everything that God is, that he shares the name, the nature, the holiness, the authority, the power, the majesty, and 
the eternity of the one and only true God. And that's the very cornerstone of the faith. And ultimately, if you don't believe that Jesus is God and he's God, was God in human flesh and is God that came in human flesh, you can't really truly be saved. Because that's the, really the crux of the whole matter. Because only Jesus, only God, could come in a human body, die and be buried and rise again. Because think about this. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, right? Well, you know why Jesus was able to rise up out of the grave? Because he never sinned, right? So the wages of sin is death, and he conquered the grave because he never sinned. He never, ever sinned in his 33-plus years of, of living here on the earth. We don't know exactly. It was around 33 years. And his resurrection from the grave is really the thing that proves that he is God. And... Romans chapter 1, when we started out this whole book, it, it really talks about that. It says in Romans chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to flesh, that talks about his humanity, and declared to be the son of God with power according to the whole spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. That word declared is the word that means to separate. It's the word horizon. You know, we, we, we look at, we say the horizon separates what we can see from that we can't, right? And when the sun goes down, it went down below the horizon, right? This word declared is the word horizon. And it, it means that Jesus Christ was clearly separated. He was declared to be the son of God to be God himself in human flesh by the fact that he raised up out of the grave. And, that, and nobody else has ever done that. Nobody ever will, except for those that Jesus raises from the grave. And so he says here that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and, you know, that word's in there like the Lord Jesus is in there, I think, 634, 637 times in the New Testament. I looked it up with a little Bible program yesterday. I didn't look them all up by hand. I got a little Bible program, and you type in Lord Jesus, and you say search. New Testament, and it comes up 634, 637 times. He says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, like I said, with your whole being, your mind, your will, your emotions, that Jesus is God, then thou shalt be saved. Remember Acts 837 Philip he was he was out in the desert with the eunuch and he comes along and the eunuch says he says I don't understand the scriptures and he says you know can you explain them to him and he explains the scriptures to him and he says there's water what forbids me to be baptized in other words I believed and and Philip said to him if you believe with all your heart you may be baptized in other words, if you're saved and you've truly trusted in Christ, you can be baptized. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he says he went and baptized him. And so Matthew 10, 32 says, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who's in heaven. So in other words, you need to confess Jesus. In other words, when you trust Christ, you not only believe in here, but guess what? It's going to come out in your life, right? The way you live, the way you talk, the things you say. You know, Paul started out this whole book. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation. Jesus said, whoever's ashamed of me, 
I'll be ashamed of him when I come in the resurrection. So if we say we have faith, you know, that's what James talks about. A man, if a man says he has faith, but he has not works, that faith is dead faith. Because you know what? He, he says even the demons believe and tremble, right? Even the demons believe. I mean, you, you remember all the times that the demons in the, in the New Testament, they're there and, and they say, Jesus, the son of the most high God, have you come to torment us before the time? And they said, don't cast us in the pit. And they knew he was Jesus and he forbid them to speak. But you know what? He, he, he basically, they knew who he was, but do you think the demons are going to he heaven? Absolutely not, right? 1 John chapter 2, verse 23 says, Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. There's a verse in uh, John, I think it's chapter 5, verse 39, where he says, basically, if you don't honor the Son, you don't honor the Father. In other words, if you don't give Jesus the same glory that God the Father has, then you won't be saved. So he says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, you've got to believe in Jesus' death for our sins, his burial, and his resurrection, right? When you look at verse chapter 4, verse 25 or 26, I think it is right there, he says that Jesus died for our sins, but he was raised that we might be declared righteous. In other words... If Jesus had never risen from the grave, you know what? We couldn't be declared righteous. We couldn't go to heaven. That's what the Bible says. And that's why 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 and 4 says the gospel is the death that he died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. That's basically what he's talking about here, that if you believe that Jesus is God and he came up out of the grave, you will be saved. Verse 10, he says... For with the heart one believes in the righteousness, with the mouth confession is made under salvation. There's two, thing, two sides to this, really. Believe in Jesus Christ and your innermost being results in being accepted by God. You know, when the fact that Jesus came out of the grave proves that he was God and it proves that the Father accepted his sacrifice. Because, you know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews that he... He, he sacrificed himself once for all, right? And then he rose from the grave and he sits at the right hand of the Father. But basically what goes on here is salvation, he says in verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So when we look at this, there's two sides to this. There's salvation and there's righteousness. You know, if I said I'm saved, I got, you know, I'm saved and you, you know, somebody saved me. I was drowning and somebody saved me. That means that there was a negative consequence, right? And I was fixing to drown and somebody saved me from the bad consequences, right? And so there's two sides to this verse here in verse 10. The, the negative side of it is if I confess and, and I'm under salvation, that means I'm saved from the bad consequences. I'm not going to hell now. But he says also, he says here, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And the positive side of this means that not only have I been saved from the negative consequences of going to hell, 
which nobody hardly talks about anymore. But the positive side of that is, guess what? I'm going to be made righteous. I'm going to be made holy. The Bible says, you know, positionally in the eyes of God, I'm as righteous as Jesus Christ himself, his son, in the eyes of God, positionally. In other words, because of Jesus' righteousness that he gives me, when God looks down, I'm as righteous as his son. Practically, we got a long way to go, right? That's what we call sanctification. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Righteousness has to do with what we become, and salvation has to do with what we don't become. So when we're saved, we receive a new kind of life. It's a righteous, holy life. And uh, Romans 4.22 talks about it was accounted to him for righteousness. When we look at all these things, we see that basically when we believe that Jesus is raised from the grave, then we are saved and we are made righteous. Like I said, this resurrection is the most important thing. If we don't believe that, then we cannot be saved. And like I said, you, you don't have to understand it all when you first get saved, but you do understand that Jesus is God. That is the gospel. But as time goes on, you do understand the whole thing. And there's certain things that if you don't believe as time goes on, that it, it, it shows that you're not really truly saved. I call those the unbendables or what those kind of things. But basically, that whole thing that he was raised from the grave, that's the key to the gospel. When we look at that, we realize that Jesus is God. And, you know, if he had picked any other event, to show that he was God, it wouldn't have been that significant. But the fact that somebody came from the grave, and when we believe in that, we trust in that, that's what we need to do. And so as we look at this salvation that God gives us, we can't believe that he was just a prophet. We can't believe that he was just a messenger from God or some kind of miracle worker or a teacher. But if we believe that he's God, because Jesus said in John 8, verse 30, he talked about that. He says there were some of the people that believed in him. And he says, he says, many believed. And then Jesus said, guess what? If you continue in my word, my word abides in you and you abide in me, then, then you are my true disciples. In other words, the way you show that you're a true disciple is by the way you live after you've been saved. I heard somebody say this. I don't know who it was original with, but couldn't have been that long ago. He says, if you stick your finger in a, if you come in contact with a 220 volt electrical current, guess what? You're going to be changed, right? He says, you can no more come in contact with a 220 volt electrical current and not be changed than you can come into contact with Jesus Christ and be saved and not be changed. But so many people today say, well, I'm saved, you know, Jesus is my Savior, but he's not my Lord. The Bible calls him the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls him Lord and Savior in two different places. One guy one time in the jail told me, he says, well, Jesus is my Savior, but he's not my Lord. And, I, and before I knew it, every time I turned around, somehow or another, I kept finding these verses, and I didn't do it intentionally. But he says, okay, okay, I, I, I've heard enough. And he got mad with me. I said, listen, I just, you know, they, I wasn't trying to do anything and I wasn't trying to pick on you. I'm just, 
these are the verses that just happen to come to my mind and I just happen to come across them in my studies. But Jesus is not only your Savior, but he is also God. He's Lord. He's head of everything. He's over all. And unless you believe that, then you won't be saved. So, like I said, some of the, the verses that spoke of that, you know, think about Thomas. You know, they were, Thomas wasn't there when the disciples were in the upper room the first time he appears to them. And he, he doesn't get the, the joy and the, the benefit of knowing Jesus has come out of the grave and he's alive for a whole week. And a week later, they're in the upper room again and Jesus appears to them the second time, you know, and he, he told the disciples, he said, unless I see the holes in his, in, in his side, the holes in his hands, and I put my fingers in there, I will not believe. And Jesus says, Thomas, put your hands in my side. Put your hands in my, you know, in my, in my hands, your fingers in my, holes in my hand. And, and Thomas, we don't even believe he did it, but he said, he just speaks his great confession of faith. He says, my Lord and my God, right? And that's the greatest confession we know of pretty well in the New Testament, right? So the point is that a true salvation, a true heart belief involves understanding really who Christ is and willingly submits to his authority. So that's kind of the bottom line with all of that. Salvation is to believe that he is all that he said he is and to affirm that you take your place under sovereign rulership. In other words, I don't know if they say this nowadays, but I kind of used to tell people, you know, if you need some words to kind of understand, you know, what to say, you just want something to tell God, you know, you can say something like this, you know, God, forgive me, God, save me, I'm a sinner. And I want to live your way now with your help. In other words, and, and I used to would tell people places, I'd say, now don't say this out loud because these are just words. And I tell people, you know, if you want to be saved, you can say something like this in your heart, you know, inside. And just tell God, just speak to him in your heart. Just tell him what's on your heart. But if you need something to put words to it, say, God, I'm a sinner. God, forgive me. God, save me. On my own, I can't do anything right. And I'm always messing up. And I want you to be the Lord of my life, the boss of my life. I want you to tell me how to live. And a lot of times, even though I told people not to speak out loud, a lot of times people will be speaking out loud. And then all of a sudden I'd get to the place where I say, I want you to be the Lord of my life, the boss of my life. I want you to tell me how to live the rest of my life. And, and I want to live your way with your help. All of a sudden it'd get quieter. And most people wouldn't repeat that. Because see, requested song at funerals is what? Remember the old Frank Sinatra song? I did it my way. And that's the most requested song at funerals. And you know, that's what people want to do is they want to do it their way. They don't want somebody to tell them what to do. And that's why they won't trust the Savior. Because when you trust Christ, you're submitting to Him and you're saying, now my whole life belongs to you. 
What did Jesus say? Take up your cross daily, deny yourself, and follow me, right? And when we trust Christ, we're basically saying, I give my whole life to you. You know, salvation is free, right? But you know what? It cost Jesus everything. He had to suffer for our sins. He had to suffer in our place. But you know, the last part of that is, is when we realize that, what do we do? We realize that we submit ourselves to him and we put him, ourselves up under his authority because you know what? It's free, but he says, now your life belongs to me. And so every day our life is a P.S. Thank you, God, for, for saving me. And I want to serve you. You know, that's what Paul said. Every day I serve him. That no matter what it takes, I, I want to attain to the resurrection from the dead. He said, I want to, I want to be like a, a dead man walking amongst, uh, look like a dead man walking amongst a bunch of dead people. In other words, he said, everybody around me is dead in their trespasses and sins. But when people look at me, I want them to see something different because I'm not the person I used to be. And that's, that's what he's talking about. And folks, that's what we need to realize, that we need to confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead. For with the mouth, you confess unto righteousness, and with the heart, you believe unto salvation. So whoever, the next verse we'll get to next week, and he says, and whoever believes on him shall not be put to shame. In other words, guess what? If you call on him, he'll hear, he will answer, and he will forgive you if you call in faith. So if you've not done that today, please do it. Because you know what? All of us are going to pass out of this world, and we're going to pass into eternity. And the statistics are in. One out of one die. And unless Jesus comes back, we're all going to die one day. And even if he does come back and we don't know the Lord, we're immediately going to be sent to hell. But you know what? We need to know the Lord. That way we can go and be with him in heaven one day. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. We thank you that he died, he was buried, and he rose again the third day. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. And he's always praying and making an intercession for us on before you for us. That the devil, he's an accuser to brethren, and he accuses us day and night. But Jesus is sitting up there for those of us who know him as Lord and Savior saying, Sorry, devil, I paid for that sin. I paid for that one. I paid for that one. No matter what we've done, that God has paid for it in the form of Jesus Christ. And we are so thankful. Lord, if nobody's, there's somebody here today that has never trusted you, today they would just cry out in their heart and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Save me. And they would just take you at your word and believe by faith. And you said, whoever calls on me shall not be put to shame. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.